And I'm so grateful really to Pastor Jordan and Kristen for entrusting me this week to continue our conversation surrounding this idea of growth and really the internal growth that's going on in our spiritual lives. And this week I was thinking about just how much I appreciate people who ask good questions. You know what I mean? Like maybe it's a friend, maybe it's someone that you listen to from afar, but there's just something about the ability to ask good questions and really the way that good questions open up a conversation. Like if you really think about it, a good question has the potential to entirely challenge the way that you think. A good question has the ability to alter your perspective and your approach towards something. A good question challenges our inner dialogue. And I have found that often some of the most fruitful conversations begin with good questions. I was hanging out with my dad this week and kind of just sharing with him what I felt like I had for today and just what I felt like the Lord had really placed on my heart. And my dad, he, he really always has this way of when we're having conversation to challenge me to think just a little bit deeper and a little bit further. And my dad, he loves podcasts. He'll send me these leadership podcasts. He'll just send it and be like, take a listen. He'll send it and be like, take a listen. That's all he says. And it's because he knows that I love a good conversation. And good conversations often stem from asking good questions. And so I'm talking with my dad and, you know, we're talking about growth and really what that looks like. And my dad just says, Ash, do you think that growth is accidental or do you think that it's something that we have to do on purpose? And I thought this is such a good question. Like, is growth something that we have to be intentional about or is it something that just happens? Is growth something that we have to make intentional decisions towards or is growth just something that happens in life? And so I'm kind of internalizing for a minute and and process and kind of my initial thought was, no, I, I don't think that growth just happens. I think there is a level of intentionality that is required to see the result of growth in our life. But then I I also started to think about the many times in life where I found myself in this place of growth because of uh, situations that I didn't choose and circumstances that I didn't choose and, and growth that I wasn't aiming for. And it's kind of this tough place where you're in this stretching position and you didn't really make the decision to be there, but there you find yourself in this growing, stretching place in your life. And it's in those moments where we're sometimes like, you know what, I would not have chosen the circumstances that have me here. I can think of many times in my life where had I known the circumstances that would be necessary to create growth, I would not have chosen them. And I think we can all relate to those stretching places in our life where we are almost forced to grow. And it's in these moments where There is this, almost this invisible thing pushing us towards growth in our life. And so I was thinking, you know, what are these things? What are these elements that almost force growth on us? These naturally occurring circumstances that directly correlate with a season of growth in our life. 
Some may see them as perpetrators of growth, right? They are unwanted. Some may call them catalysts of growth if you're trying to have a more positive outlook on life. But what are these naturally occurring situations that directly affect our ability to grow? And I started thinking about how pain is a naturally occurring situation that forces us to grow that seasons of pain cause us to grow, that seasons of change force us to grow, right? That we are walking through unforeseen circumstances and there's change going on all around us and we are in a position, whether we chose it or not, where we are forced to grow. I thought about transitional moments in life where we didn't choose the circumstances that we now stand in, but it naturally forces us to grow. That we don't often choose these things, but they ultimately cause growth to happen in our life. And so I'm sitting here with my dad, just kind of thinking through this, and I'm dealing with these two eternal conflicts. And really, I came to this point of thinking, you know, it's recognizing that growth often happens. Whether we choose it or not, whether we are aware of it or not, whether we are aiming for it or not, growth often happens because we all deal with pain. We all deal with change. We all deal with transition. We all deal with these naturally occurring events that in our life directly cause growth, whether good or bad. And growth is at times forced on us, right, where we are growing towards something, whether that is growing good or bad. But the way in which we steward our growth, the way in which we hold our growth will result in different outcomes. Yes, growth often does happen, but the right kind of growth doesn't just happen, It doesn't just happen. There is a process and there is a level of intentionality that is involved, right? The direction of our growth will be determined by our posture and our stewardship of that growth in our life. And when I was thinking about really what growth looks like, I couldn't help but be reminded of a story in John 15 where Jesus is speaking with his disciples and he's really giving them an order for how they will be known as his disciples in life, how they will reflect his um, image on creation. Prior to leaving for Gethsemane, Jesus tells his disciples that if they are going to be a people that reflect his image, then they are going to have to grow. They are going to have to grow. That this process is absolutely necessary in their life. Starting in John chapter 15, verse 1, it says, I, Jesus is speaking here, and he says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message that I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. 
When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples, and this brings great glory to my Father. Jesus is, is communica communicating here what the process of growth looks like, what the necessary steps are, so to say that in growth there is a removing process, that in growth there is a refining process, and that in growth there is a process and a call to remain in him. And this is great context in, in the context of plants and gardening and vines. That's great. But this is a really challenging concept to actually live out in our day-to-day -day lives. And this understanding that this picture of growth, these things have to happen for growth to occur in our life. That refining has to happen. That removing and cutting off has to happen. That a call to remain has to happen for growth to occur in our life. And Jesus, he, he uses this image to communicate. He, he says, hey, the same way that a gardener must cut off the things that don't bear fruit, and the same way that he must refine the things that have the potential for more growth, so must the Father do in your life. And this caught me when I was reading it. Jesus says that the Father cuts off every branch in him that doesn't bear fruit. And that he prunes every branch in him that has the potential for more growth. Like Jesus is saying this about himself. So surely if Jesus had things in his life that he had to continually surrender to the Father, being fully God yet fully man, there are things in you and I's life that are going to need to be refined and cut off and refined by his spirit day by day. He says that he must remove and cut away at and refine the innermost parts of you in order that you and I would produce the fruit that he desires, the outcomes of life that he desires, that he desires most. And this is the reality that seasons of growth often require a process. And often we're, we're not aware of it, we're not choosing, we don't set out to intentionally grow, but our awareness of it will give us the greater ability to navigate, like, God, what season of life do you have me in? God, what are you actually trying to teach me in this moment that I'm in? Our awareness that God is continually calling us to grow will make us ask, God, what are you trying to do in my life? God, what, what are you trying to teach me in this challenging season, in this place where there's stretching and there's tension? What are you trying to teach me? so that we can steward it well. So Jesus, he first says, the father is the gardener and he cuts off, he removes, he severs every branch that doesn't produce fruit. And this is really the removing part of the process that is required, that must happen for growth to occur in our life, the removing part of the process. And the reality of this stage of growth is that there are simply things that must go in our life. That there are things that simply must not remain. I don't care if you've known Jesus all your life or if it's the first day that you stepped into a relationship with him. There are continually things that must go in our life that do not have the potential, that do not have the capacity to bear fruit. They don't. And in this part of the process, you and I, we, we have a choice. 
What is my, my posture going to be? What is my posture going to be when he begins to cut away the things in my life that cannot remain and the attitudes and the mindsets and the beliefs that have kept me in this fruitless place for far too long? What will our posture be? Because in this reality that some things simply must go, we would rather choose the comfort that we know. We would rather remain the same than to trust God for what's on the other side of our obedience, for what's on the other side of our releasing, for what's on the other side of that cutting off and that severing of old things and old mindsets and old beliefs. And this is why our posture makes all the difference. We get to choose our posture, right? Like, is my posture going to be one of, of surrender or is it going to be one of holding on, right? Is my posture going to be one of resisting every change that comes at me in life or is my posture going to be that one that leans in to the sureness of who God is in the tension of what I don't know? And we have this choice, that in these moments and in this call to remove things in our life, we have a choice. That we will either grow in gratitude towards God, trusting him, or we will grow in bitterness. We will grow in gratitude, believing God in spite of what we can't see and letting go of things, or we will become bitter towards our circumstances. We will become bitter to the things that we believe we've lost. We will become bitter saying, God, where are you? Why did this thing need to be removed? We will become bitter in our posture towards God instead of grateful in the sureness that he is faithful, that he is good that anything that he removes does not go in vain. And I was kind of thinking about this week, like we all have that family member who like when they're sick, it's like the world is ending. Don't look at anyone beside you, but we know we kind of like all have that person. Um, but it's like when they're the slightest bit sick, it's like the world is coming to an end. And they're like, I don't need anything, but also could you get me this? And we, we got to take care of our family. But you know, there's sometimes it's like, you know, some of the men in the house. Um, it's like the world has come to an end, okay? And um, they, it's like the sickness just needs to be gone yesterday. They're done with it. And it's understandable, you know. But the interesting thing about, about sickness is that in sickness, our body is actually trying to root out the things that should not be in there, the things that cannot remain. And some of us handle the pain of growth the same way that we are ready for it to be over, the world has come to an end, right? We, we become paralyzed in bitterness. We become uh, uh, complainers of our circumstances and we're ready for it to be done. We're, we're ready for it to be over when the reality is that there is so much that is produced in our pain, that there is so much that is rooted out in those moments of tension, those moments of pain in our life, but we don't like seasons of discomfort, and I'm right there with you. We don't like these seasons of discomfort. We don't like these seasons of change, but we have to really position ourselves to say, God, help me to see the joy of this season. As hard as it is, help me to see the joy of discomfort. Help me to see the joy of learning to trust you and not having all the answers because it actually creates this need to trust God. And I feel like trust is just one of those things that happens when it has to right? Like when I have to learn to trust, that's when I'm going to choose to do it, right? And often we learn to trust through these situations that we didn't choose. 
that we wouldn't choose. And in growth, not only are seasons, are there seasons of, of removing that are necessary, but there's also seasons of refining that are necessary. In John 15, Jesus said, he cuts off every branch that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. This is the process of pruning, uh, pruning. and in this, the gardener, he, he will not remove the whole uh, plant, but parts of the plant that are no longer necessary for growth or that are holding back the, the health and the development of that plant. And really, it's the trimming away of, of dead things or overgrown branches or stems, but leaving the parts that are necessary to increase fruitfulness and growth. That not everything has to go, but there's parts of it that have to go. That there's some things that need to be worked out, but there's some things already inside of us that need to be built up. And this really is an image of God's refining process in our life, that it is a process of correcting the things that are no longer beneficial for our life and building up the things that are necessary for our growth, necessary for you to actually walk in obedience to Jesus, necessary for you to um, just walk in your purpose on the earth, where he's revealing the parts of us that, yes, are still in process that will require a heart that is surrendered to his refining hand. Saying, God, would you change this inside of me? God, I see this thing and I know that you have greater for my life and you have better for my life to better reflect Jesus. Lord, would you refine this thing in me? And every single one of us, again, whether we have known Jesus for many years or only for a short time, we all have things that need to be surrendered to Jesus. Like that pride inside of us, that has to go. Those old attachments and beliefs and mindsets, those have to go. That need for perfection instead of just holiness and righteousness and obedience to Jesus, that has to go. People in our life that we have allowed to stay for too long, that has to go. And the word talks about how the Holy Spirit reveals the hidden things inside of us. That no one knows the heart. We think no one knows the heart greater than we do. No, no one knows me better than me. But the reality is that the God who made us knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows the hidden desires of our heart. He knows our wickedness. He knows our sin. He knows us. Jeremiah says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. That's pretty sad. Who can understand it? But then he says, I, the Lord, I, the Lord, search the heart. I, the Lord, examine your mind. I, the Lord, reward each person according to their conduct. And in Proverbs, it says, the Lord's light, not my inner looking, not, not my inner evaluation, the Lord's light penetrates the human spirit, exposing every hidden motive. The Holy Spirit reveals in us the hidden things, and it's ultimately for our good. It's ultimately so that we would look more like Jesus. It's, it's ultimately so that sin wouldn't ruin our life. And it's so vital that growth, it's so vital, and this is so necessary, so that growth can happen in our life. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but it can be really discouraging, like when you're super aware of all the things you're not, you know what I mean? Like a few weeks ago, I had a breakdown, and I was like, man, 
I have all the anger and I have all the pride and I'm a horrible person, right? And the Holy Spirit, I'm like, God, I thought I was kind of good in this area, but he's like, nope. And it's kind of discouraging sometimes where we're like, man, I really thought I was growing in this area. Like I really thought I was becoming more obedient. I really thought that this anxiety didn't have a hold on me the way it used to, right? And we can start to feel really discouraged instead of being encouraged that the God who knows us says, hey, I love you enough to not leave you the same. I love you enough to not let that pride remain. I love you enough to not let that fear ruin your life. I, I, you may not see it now, but if we don't rid this thing, it has the potential to suck away your growth and to overcome the things that I have planned for you. But God is just saying, hey, if, if you didn't have these things that you were in need of for refining, you would start thinking that you didn't need me. And how often do we start just thinking we've got life together, things are good, and it's not necessarily a bad thing, right? Things are going good, maybe there's a lot of cause for joy in your life, but how quickly, I feel like our, our human curse is that when we are doing well, we forget that we need God, and when we are not doing well, we are like, God, where are you? And I need you day and night and night and day, right? It's like, it's this ongoing struggle, and I've learned to be grateful almost for the weeds in, in our life and in our heart that keep us knowing that we need God, that, that keep us knowing that I am no good without you, that apart from you, I can do nothing. I can do nothing. And often he gives us this awareness of what we are not so that we cannot ignore it, so that we have no other choice but to lean in and say, God, would you change these things inside of me that I feel helpless to change on my own? That I cannot do the work to change. That I cannot um, uproot those things in my life on my own. God, I'm in need of your hand and in need of your touch. And in doing so, we, we return to him. We return to him over and over. And when we start to walk away, he reminds us and we have to return to him again. And in returning to him, we become more like the God that we return to. We, we become more like the one that we continue to return to. And day by day, he refines those things in us. Lately, I've been reading uh, a lot of different verses and Proverbs about discipline, and I had never really seen them in the way that God has been showing them to me recently, the joy of discipline, like the joy of the Holy Spirit when he, when you like catch yourself slipping and it's like, God, thank you that you do not leave me. Thank you that you place this conviction on my heart to say, Ashton, there is more. Ashton, this is dangerous territory. Ashton, this is not what I have for your life. And the Holy Spirit does the same thing in you, that he will not allow you to stop believing that you are in need of him that he will not allow you to think you have it all together, that he will not allow you to think that you're okay without him, that his discipline actually brings joy in our life. Proverbs says, my child, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves. As a father, the son he delights in. And I thought that's so good. And I think sometimes we have like for so long ignored the voice of the Holy Spirit in our life that we're no longer able to hear when he's correcting our heart, that we're no longer able to sense what's right and wrong. And I just think we need to ask God, Lord, forgive me for resenting. God, forgive me for ignoring your voice. God, forgive me for not leaning in when the Holy Spirit said, Ashton, this is not for you. 
and coming to this place and this posture of repentance and say, God, would you renew my ability to hear your voice? God, would you renew my mind to hear when you're saying, Ashton, this is not what brings life. And that there is actually joy in discipline, that we can know that our Father loves us when he says, hey, this will not result in life. Seasons of life where we have to become aware, like, God, what are you trying to do inside of me? And I remember a few years ago, I was in this internship and it was such a season of joy initially, you know? It was so good. It, I mean, it was just such a beautiful time in life. And I remember God asking me to surrender some things to him that I really didn't want to surrender. And I just thought, man, this this really stinks. Like, it, it's supposed to be a joyful time. It's, it's supposed to be a time where I grow and it's amazing. And he's like, yeah, this is what growth looks like. This is what growth looks like, that it's a refining process. And I remember someone just sharing with me, hey, Ashton, it's, it's the refining moments in our life that create the character that will sustain you in the place that you're going. It's the refining moments that create character so that God can actually utilize our life, so that we actually look like Jesus. And it was such a, a challenging time where I had to say, God, I welcome your refinement. Help me to understand that it's necessary for growth, that you show me my pride and you show me my insecurity and you show me these things that I would rather not see but that are necessary to grow. And we can choose the pain of refinement or the pain of staying the same, the pain of staying how we are, but it will not lead to life abundantly. It will lead to lifelessness that comes from staying the same. It will lead to always seeking for something to satisfy when you stay the same. And I love when you study, I don't know if you're familiar, but um, the way that, that olives actually produce the, their oil that they were created to produce is that they have to go through this extensive process of crushing, Now, they're not crushed to the point of being destroyed, but they are crushed to the point of producing the thing that they were made for, and that's the oil that's in them. And I just thought, how incredible that that God will allow us to go through these like crushing and refining seasons of life, not to destroy us, but to actually produce the very thing that we were created for. That he will allow us to be worked at and stretched and crushed, crushed and pressed on every side so that we actually understand, God, that in the crushing, you produce an oil on our life. You produce an oil, an anointing that actually causes other people's breakthrough, not just for my obedience not just so that my life is good and dandy, but because the oil on our life when we are a believer and a follower of Jesus transforms the rooms we walk in. It changes the atmosphere. It gives us a faith to believe for what we can not see. And these refining seasons are necessary. And lastly, in John, after he's talked about the cutting and he's talked about the refining and the pruning, Jesus says that the growth process is a call to remain in him. He says, and listen to this, this is so beautiful. He says, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can 
do nothing. When you produce much fruit, but when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples, and this brings great glory to my Father. This is a call to remain in him so that we can become like him. He says, hey, you, you cannot produce fruit apart from me. In fact, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Uh, apart from me, your life will be fruitless. That, that life apart from Jesus does not bear anything good. He's saying the only way to walk in this spiritual growth, the only way to, to see the things that I have for your life is to remain in me, to, to remain in my presence, to remain under my correction, to remain under my voice, to remain in my guidance, to remain in me is the only way to have life to remain in me. And I think the way that we do this is really through asking God, like, Lord, help me to steward the season that you've placed me in. God, help me to say, like, what are you teaching me in this challenging and stretching time? God, God, what do you want to produce in my life? What do you want to produce in my life as I remain in you? And just understanding that life with Jesus that when we say yes to this refining process and we say yes to God removing things that don't glorify him, that when we say yes to him, that our life actually gains the ability to give glory to God. Like this is a crazy concept that you and I who are broken humans could glorify the God of all creation, the God who formed us, the God who knows our wickedness, that Jesus says here that, hey, you can actually glorify God, that your life, that our little lives that are so wicked when we really bring it down to it, that we are not worthy to glorify God. And yet he says, your life can glorify God. Your life can bear fruit that glorifies the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the one who breaks chains and the one who breaks anxiety and the one who breaks fear. Your life can actually glorify him. And this is an incredible and humbling reality that you and I can bear fruit in our life that shows people who Jesus is. That as we remain in him, that we actually can reflect the God that, that people are in desperate need of. That people, people need hope. People need radical joy. People need a sense of a reason to live. And you and I, we, we can produce the fruit in our life that points to that. When we remain in Jesus. In James 1, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. That's hard. Like when these stretching moments in life come, consider it an opportunity for pure joy, for great joy, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Your, your endurance has a chance to grow that moment by moment that God refines and changes us and removes the things that can no longer remain, that we actually have the opportunity to allow our endurance to grow to allow our belief that God is faithful to grow, to, to allow this endurance to grow. He said, so let it grow. So let it grow for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. 
lacking nothing. Would you just stand with me this morning?